Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today I spoke with my friend Sarah Martin. She completed a 500 page writing project during COVID. And we dive into that as well as some other topics around uh, her travels and life experiences and where she's hoping to take her writing next. Hope you enjoy. Woohoo, we're live. I've never used um, Riverside before as a like host. I've just like taken files and like produced from it. Um, so this is super exciting for me. I just want to say that I moved to Austin almost a year ago now, and I wanted to say how grateful I am for you because you have always um, made me feel so welcome here. And I have like made so many great memories in Austin and like met so many like friendly and welcoming people. When I think of how welcoming Austin is, I like I think of you because you've just been like so. Oh my gosh! I love that. I think that you're so brave for having made that move at only 19 years old. I definitely know, like, I made a similar jump when I went to New Zealand when I was, I guess I was 21 and I turned 22 in New Zealand. Decided to make one memories together as you're uh, continuing to deepen your roots into the Austin soil. Thank you so much. One way we could start is just, it'd be great to know more about, like, what Austin means to you and kind of, like, what your experiences and community have been here because I think Austin is just like such a cool place and that's like how we know each other. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, 1994. And I was born in the house that I was raised in via midwife, both my brother and I were. So that was a pretty intense experience. Um, I don't know how personal we're getting on this podcast, but I'm diving in. And, um, yeah, and, you know, like, for example, my mom, um, she helped work as a manufacturing engineer in the 80s during that time, and my dad was working in engineering. Um, they had come over to Texas from UCSD, even though my mom was born in Beeville, Texas, in the 60s. So I had some sort of, like, they were returning to their Texas roots, sort of, at least on my mom's side. Um, I went to elementary, Chile middle school, lots of high school. Um, that was fun getting to go to some magnet schools where they're basically schools that you, I don't know the technical definition, but they're public schools that you apply to and they might have more specialized programs in like the sciences and mathematics. Um, so that was really great. I definitely saw a nerdy side of Austin and I had a lot of friends from all over Austin because the magnet schools weren't just like, or the, they weren't normal schools where they pulled only from the neighborhoods. They were from all over Austin. Um, I enjoyed different sports growing up, like soccer and volleyball. Um, I feel like I had a very normal childhood for the most part. I mean, I got to do a little bit of traveling, especially being mixed race it doesn't have to do with austin per se but you know just i felt like i spent some time out of austin as well going to san diego and japan and um a couple other places but overall austin has just been i wouldn't say super international but always super welcoming and open and um i'm still trying to figure out how diverse I feel Austin is I definitely feel as Austin's grown it's become more diverse and more of the big city that some places like New York City or LA or Houston are um 
but I'm just grateful. And um, then to continue the story, um, I graduated high school 2012, and then I went to Dallas for school, so still kind of in Texas. And then fast forwarding through whatever else I was doing in my life, I moved back to Austin in 2018. And even though it was so different then, the city still had so much growing through, like during COVID, so many people moving from California. Um, you know, there's places that I've never really checked out that are staples in Austin now, like Rainy Street, for example, um, ever since I moved back in 18. And yeah, I just feel like overall, Texans are super welcoming, loving people. Um, Austin's kind of interesting. It's like this liberal, some people might say like blue oases, sea of red. Um, you know, though, I think that everyone's kind of doing their best to exemplify um, Southern hospitality across all sides of the political divide. And, you know, it's an interesting place. I remember you talking about how Texas is like the friendship state. Oh, yeah. I feel like we need to Google that. But I think Tejas means like Tejas is the Spanish spelling of a Cato word, Tash, uh, Asia, which means friend or ally. Nice. So I'd love to know, you mentioned a bit um, closer to the beginning about how you decided to go to New Zealand. I'd love to know more about that decision. So basically, I had graduated college a semester early in 20, December 2015. And I had spent so much time doing research and kind of um, dealing with some more serious things in my personal life. And so I just wanted the chance to go and basically play on green pastures. And I was like, oh, I want to travel somewhere. And then a friend mentioned like, oh, well, why don't you go to New Zealand? And I was looking for countries where I could speak English because I just wanted that kind of ease of traveling, um, even though, yeah, because already traveling alone, it can be its own um, platform, but just its own uh, hurdle. And... um so I ended up taking New Zealand and I worked on organic farms for half of it through the Wolf um, Project Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And then for the other half, so and then I did a 10-day silent Vipassana meditation on the northern island of New Zealand. And then the other six months I spent nannying and waitressing in Auckland as well as a very tiny little bit of research with a professor there on grit and hope. I was really interested in positive psychology at the time. And then um, kind of like we're already talking about friendship and people being so friendly. Um, I feel like the people in New Zealand were just really friendly. Um, it, it was so wonderful. I mean, I did have a point maybe like, but I don't remember if it was three weeks or three months in, but I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever do a solo trip like this by myself again for this extended period of time because it was kind of intense to be um, traveling by myself for so long. Um, so I still really appreciated everything that I learned from the experience. And um, I made so many friends along the way that um, I definitely spent my time well in socializing still, which is lovely. That's amazing. Yeah, it's super cool to just kind of push past beyond what you know and then just make 
new memories that you could never have like imagined as who you were before that moving to a new country alone <laughs> that just sounds super difficult yeah it was really fun i highly recommend anyone interested in traveling to try um wolfing even families do it and they do it you can do it internationally like in the united states even um or like in italy just every country around the world seems to have it um and it's a great way to travel cheaply which i definitely like to do at the time so um but i was like sheep sitting and one of the curious things about sheep sitting is you're supposed to walk along the fence every day and make sure none of the sheep got their heads stuck in the fence because if they did get their heads stuck in the fence, you're supposed to go around the other side of the fence and scare them. So they pull their head out out of the fence. They, otherwise, we'll starve to death, Sophie. I'm not even kidding. That's what I was told, at least. So, like, you have to... I don't know. I just thought it was funny that they could, like, get out by themselves, but they had to be, like, scared out. Like, <laughs> Had you ever done anything? Because you said you worked on organic farms. Had you ever done any work with plants or animals before that um i feel like i was always digging in the dirt as a kid um i know that i also really enjoyed being at pioneer farms um i would do that for summer vacation for a couple weeks during the summer probably in middle school or late elementary school and basically, it was in Austin. My friends and I would dress in long cotton dresses, or like I don't remember how the men or like the boys dress as, um, but we would have canteens also, and we would just like cut potatoes for stews and like dig them out of the ground first. We'd go fishing. We'd uh, pick fresh grapes. Um, we made candles. Um, I guess I don't really remember much planting. We were just digging out potatoes from the dirt. But that's maybe going back to my Irish roots there. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I did a similar thing um, where you'd dress in the old-fashioned clothing and you'd be in the schoolhouse. You'd play with the... I remember a game where you'd like throw a ball into like where a bunch of other kids were standing and everyone would run and try to catch it. And um, that's super cool to have that like connection when you're a kid to kind of the reactment of what it might have been like um so i'd love for you to describe if you could just kind of what the landscape was like in new zealand um and maybe how it was different from what you had seen in other places or anything like that i wish i could be more of a botanist and tell you like specifically like oh deciduous or like the sorts of trees or whatnot um you know, honestly, what I noticed was it was just a lot of rolling green hills. Um, I mean, there was definitely, like, mountains in the south of New Zealand. I want to say that they were even called the Alps um, based off the... I almost want to Google that right now. Yeah, they're called the Southern Alps. So, glad I remembered that. Um... It was just beautiful. I mean, um, I remember, like, some people would take helicopter rides up to the snowy mountainsides, and that's something that you could do, like, as a tourist, I guess. 
Um, I remember the hikes and encountering the silver fern, which is like the namesake of uh, like namesake plant of New Zealand. Um, and that was so beautiful. It was these huge ferns, and then the underside is just slightly silver. And it's beautiful. Um, so running into those in nature was really cool. Um, you know, I remember the lovely beaches, um, like in Tekapuna, where I was in Auckland on the northern shore. Um, it was just this lovely beach right by the elementary schools, right by some beautiful cafes. Um, and I just remember it being such a hub for culture and so many, like a meeting place for so many different people. Um, right by the library, it was lovely. I still remember within, I think it was within a week of me being in New Zealand the first time, I went to a farmer's market in New Zealand. And it was just south of Auckland. And it was full, it was just so beautiful. I am trying to even like describe it. It had like all these wooden stalls and it was huge. Um, and there were just so many different types of like different fruits and vegetables that I wasn't even used to. Um, they're at the same latitude as South America. So they share a lot of fruits and vegetables with them. And that's something that was unexpected. Like I expected to have a different experience, but I didn't expect to be eating different fruits and vegetables. I just didn't really cross my mind about traveling. And I remember one time I was, I was house sitting for like a plant nursery. They had this huge tree. They had like an orange tree, which was delicious. And I would eat that. And then right by it, there was this huge tree with like these pods on it. And these pods, I like Googled it and I found out that I could eat it. So I was like, okay, I got to try it. So I open it one day and it's these things called ice cream pods where you like pull out pull it out and it looks like a wet cotton ball and then you take out this big black seed in the middle and it tastes sweet like cotton candy and you can chew it and it's so yummy um and then also i realized that i like this fruit called the white sapote um they have the joas which are cool um and i can't name all of the fruits and vegetables that i tried but they were all really eye-opening i think i would love to dive in a little bit if you're open to it into what maybe some of the negative emotions or experiences you had in New Zealand. Um, you mentioned working with a professor and dealing with topics of grit. So I'd love to know anything you kind of pushed through during that period. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of my reasoning for going to New Zealand was I was dealing with um, some personal family difficulties at the time and I just needed space from that um, and you know what a privileged way to do that also I mean um, you know I'm looking forward to figuring out how to tell my story obviously like you know I have my writing project here in case you want to talk about it and um, you know though I'm still figuring out exactly how I want to tell it in a way that's a win-win as much as possible um, for me and those around me. Um, so just kind of 
dealing with that sometimes and being in such a lovely place, which is such a privileged experience to travel. It did have this kind of bittersweet juxtaposition sometimes. I felt like I was living an experience where I already felt isolated from people sometimes and not able to talk about what was really going on. And so the physical isolation that I was experiencing when I was in New Zealand, um, maybe even helped or helped that just kind of, um, it represented kind of what I was going through in a way. Um, and then also just solo traveling can be difficult. I think for anybody, um, I mean, there's definitely times when, um, like maybe someone will want to go out on a Tuesday night and then I'm like, that's not me. I want to be like, you know, moving forward in my life in some way. How can I, um, be that ambitious person that I want to be and achieve things while still kind of in a space where I'm doing this creative venture and traveling. So I'd love to talk more about the writing project that you just mentioned. Yeah, I started journaling um, and basically it was a way to cope with everything in my life and then also um, just in general, like with COVID. And I ended up writing 562 pages, full point font, I'm seeing Roman. And that was just through like the notes section on my iPhone. So definitely a lot to organize and print out. But um, yeah, I really recommend it for anyone looking um, to dig a little bit deeper in their life. Not even to that extent, but it's such an accessible way to journal. Just opening up the notes section in your phone, putting the date as the title, and then just restreaming. Um, kind of talking about how you're feeling and whatnot. Um, I mean, I think it's a great way to get in touch with maybe what you want or what you don't want, figure out where you are in your life, figure out who you are in your life and who you want to be. Um, I found it really therapeutic to do. And I think by reading it, like writing it was validating and then also reading it was validating, just like hearing my own voice. Um, you know, I had been dealing with some um, difficulties in my life, like uh, specifically with mental health that was acute for a while, and that was really tough. And then um, just making meaning out of um, some situations that were a bit more out of my control too, but affected me. And um, it sounds a little out there, though I definitely want to find a way to kind of tell my story in a way um, that makes sense to me in the coming years, you know, so. Was it very much specifically the notes app or did you ever like record voice memos? I did actually record some voice memos. Um, I'm not sure how many I did. Um, I might be able to just see on my phone briefly, but um, I don't think I even used any of the voice memos when putting it in my story. I think it was just way easier to type it out. Well, I guess I have quite a few voice memos in different times. What was it like in the moment when you were journaling? Um, it was great. I feel like I really was in the flow of the moment, you know, not doing the task that was too easy or too difficult. Um, the actual process of writing, I feel like I became a better writer through this. I would think that at first when I was writing, my thoughts were maybe all over the place or choppy or I wasn't really sure how open I could be. 
But then as time went on, I think I had more clear, well-defined paragraphs about specifically how I was feeling. What was it like going back and compiling those notes? Um, it was definitely a lot of work, though it was also easy. Sometimes things can be very straightforward, though so hard. Um, so, you know, because I had dated everything, all it was was a matter of copying and pasting it into Microsoft Word and then printing those out and then putting that in the binder. So even though it took a long time because of the sheer volume, um, it was quite a straightforward process. After you'd compiled, did you do any editing or kind of reflection based on those notes that you'd already written? Yeah, I did. I annotated the whole thing. I It took me a while, but I annotated everything. And um, I even wrote on the front cover page, I said, the first draft of everything is shit. Ernest Hemingway. And like, there's so many quotes on that internet, so I'm not exactly sure if he said that. But definitely, I felt like that was a good quote for me because, you know, it's all about fighting perfectionism, too. Like, I think I believe in being ambitious. I believe in being hardworking. And part of that is believing in just starting where you are um, towards your goals, you know? So, yeah, I so agree with that. Even in this podcast, the first episode I recorded, recorded of this was more than a year ago. And I'm really uh, trying to dig into, okay, let me just reach out to some people and schedule some episodes and not get too obsessed with like, is my background perfect? Do I have everything planned out from the beginning? It's something I really, really have struggled with. What has it been like for you when you've kind of been trying to move away from perfection and trying to, as you were getting the different pages uh, planned out, or even when you were writing the notes in the first place, kind of in the heat of COVID, pushing past perfectionism? I love living a life where you feel like you can achieve your dreams, you know, and I think not everyone is at that place, but I hope people in their lives can what I feel like I'm quoting someone like, you know, believe in the beauty of their dreams um, because it really does make life so more, so much more fruitful, so much more meaningful. Um, I really like the book Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. I can't say that I was correctly reading it during that time, but I highly recommend it to anyone. So The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Um, it talks a lot about, you know, letting go of certain stressful aspects or certain stressful habits and then embracing um, things like creativity or playfulness um, or rest. Um certain guideposts you can find on the internet that condense the information from that book too but all really helpful imperfection is something that i've definitely struggled with in life in general like sometimes things maybe not going to plan whether it's um you know dealing with the first time i applied to graduate schools not getting into any phd programs even though i got into master's programs um so something like that but also something like, you know, getting diagnosed with certain mental health diagnoses and, you know, dealing with that and uh, just understanding that it's part of life. I love that you brought up, give some imperfection. Um, and I was going to ask, even before you said that, if there are any 
specific books or authors that have been inspirations to you or really anything, anything that gives you a sense of creativity? Yeah, when I was maybe 21, um, I definitely really leaned hard onto Oprah Winfrey and Tony Robbins. I felt like those are two individuals who um, have led these quite public lives um, and are really motivational and inspirational and have great relationships and um, interesting business models, though they also talk about some of their difficulties and incorporate that into, you know, the fact that they're still able to be successful, just like have this indomitable will. Um, you know, I really relate to people being kind of, um, yeah, kind of deal with those sorts of things and are able to still make the best of things, um, which I think is all of us really, because all of us deal with some form of suffering and whatnot. Um, so, you know, we've got to be resilient as human beings and, um, move forward and not even just exist, but to thrive and to live our best lives, hopefully, um, as much as possible. When I was a psychology student, um, people like Dr. Brene Brown, Dr. Christina Neff, who into self-compassion, um, not everyone I can remember off the top of my head because it's been so long, but even Dr. Chexin Mihai, um, who's at University of Claremont, he talks about flow. So a lot of the positive psychology professors, including Ange Dr. Angela Duckworth, um, who coined the term grit. There's a lot of different books, like Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Um, I love quotes. I find quotes really helpful. Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Dr. Daniel Amen. I feel like was such a cool resource um, that just gave me so much hope and was so interesting. I think there's also a ton of people within my life, um, just friends and family and even strangers who really um, were so supportive and there for me just to have a conversation if I needed it or wanted it. Um, and those are some of the true pleasures in life, um, just being able to have people around us who are kind. Yeah, that's something I really admire about you. You're really good at seeing kind of what everyone brings uniquely to the table and who they really are uh, underneath kind of a surface level. You do a super good job of just helping people feel included. Um, so I'd love to know what any upcoming plans you have for the writing project might be. Um, so one thing I was thinking of within the last couple of weeks, actually, I was thinking about maybe before I turn 30 in February of next year to write a novella. So just maybe like something super short and sweet, like maybe 60 pages that like are about my life or 80 pages or something really short where it's just, I push myself to be out of my comfort zone a little bit, but I don't want to push myself to be like off the edge of like what's reasonable to talk about like I want to make sure that I feel comfortable with it even though there's going to be a lot of growth there um so yeah that's definitely a cool new project that I've been thinking a lot about and talking a lot about and dreaming a lot about and I feel empowered just by 
thinking about it, but I definitely want to take the first steps to start it. Luckily, I already have this previous writing project, so I can pull from it. Um, though at the same time, I really want to just um, even sit down and like write a chapter here and there, and like it's only going to be a page or two to be a chapter. So I think that if I really set my mind to it, like even this summer or fall, I could probably get a nice draft in. It's just a matter of doing it. It's thinking about how to push yourself out of your comfort zone without it being too far and just taking those little steps each day to grow. I think that's really, really beautiful. And I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I think my goal with that is, I mean, like, I've had points, Sophie, when I was eight years old, I wanted to be president of the United States up until like seventh grade. And then there was a point in my life when I was going to graduate school, when I was thinking again, like, oh, like I took the LSAT, like maybe who knows what's possible. And, you know, I'm not necessarily thinking that's in my path right now, though what I do think is I love the feeling of kind of being presidential in a way, like how you're saying I'm good at bringing community together. I think I really do care about community i really care about my friends i really care about you know being able to express myself in a way like a leader might sometimes um and so getting to kind of do this writing project reminds me of those values because it's just like i can express myself i really believe that even when it comes to things like politics in America and like healing the political divide I think there needs to be a lot of trust and people allowing themselves to be imperfect while still um you know being the best version of themselves so yeah I don't know I just think everyone kind of needs to contribute to that sort of thing and I can hope I can do my part I think what a good leader does um is help someone see not who they are but like who they could be and I feel like I've definitely felt that from you in terms of like just helping me feel at home in Austin um, and showing me like beautiful things in Austin and just kind of helping me feel feel like what Austin could be for me and kind of a, oh, like I love home, that. Like turning it we, into a home. Like the day we went to Mayfield Park or Central Market, Sophie, for the first time. Yeah, that's definitely what I was thinking about. Another book that I'm thinking of that reminds me of this. Um, so Dr. Tara Westover, she had a really good like essay or something about the political divide and um, how the recession never left rural America. And her book, though, that is wonderful. It's called Educated. Educated by Dr. Tara Westover. It's so good. I highly recommend it. It's kind of more of a fun read. But it's kind of what I'm trying to do, too. Like, just tell my story. And um, she does it so beautifully. That's amazing. Well, I want to say thank you so, so much for being on. I think that having conversations like this is so beneficial and exciting. And I really appreciate your time. And I'm super grateful to have been able to have this conversation with you. Sophie, I'm so blessed to be your friend. And I'm so grateful that I was able to be your podcast guest today and so i'm so thankful that we're going to keep on having these conversations on and off the air and i hope you have a wonderful friday all right well that was the podcast hope everyone enjoyed i wanted to pass along a few quotes that sarah finds inspirational first up the universe loves grateful grateful people from louis hay 
And then second, we have take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step from Martin Luther King Jr. Finally, surround yourself with only people who are going to lift you higher from Oprah Winfrey. It was so much fun speaking to my friend Sarah and I always just feel so uplifted by her positivity and really just all of her um, ways where she's able to bring people together. Um, so it's so much fun getting to, a chance to talk to her. <laughs>